Welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland. And today I have a guest who is someone I've known for a long time. I've probably followed you for like 10 years. I don't know, maybe longer. Uh, and I've met you over the years and it's just great to have you on here. This is uh, Jill Coleman, who is the founder of the fitness nutrition business brand, Jill Fit. Uh, creator of the hashtag moderation 365 method and host of two cool podcasts, uh, the fit of fit biz you and the best life. So welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. I know I was trying to think, I was like, I think we were connected, gosh, way back in like, you know, maybe must have been 2011, 2012, when like I feel like Girls Gone Strong was sort of yeah, like getting started. And we were, uh, how, those were fun times. There was like, a, I mean, now it's fun too. It's just different. Right? <laughs> the online space is definitely different. And you and I were able to connect when you were in LA, which was fun. Yeah. And I was able to see you and I've seen you at different events over the years. And so I love this. I love the idea of this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so just for my audience, if they don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. I know that that has sort of morphed a lot over the years, but a little, sure. a little rundown. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. So I started Jill Fit in 2010, but prior to that, I had been a personal trainer for about 12 years and um, I was also doing a lot of fitness competitions. I was doing more like fitness modeling type stuff. And this is all throughout my twenties. And I really fell in love with the idea that the way you ate and how you moved your body could change how you looked uh, as someone who was in their early twenties and grew up with, you know, wanting to be thin and wanting to have a six pack and wanting to, and be being a fitness professional, you sort of think like, oh, my body's my my billboard, right? Or that's yeah. my calling card as a personal trainer to look the part. And what happened when I started my business was at that point, I was completely obsessed with my body. I was like, oh, I need to have a six pack. I need to look a certain way. I was in the gym like three times a day doing my own workouts, completely obsessed with food. But when I started Jill Fit in 2010 as like an online fitness blog, really is how it started. Yeah, I yeah. was like, if this thing needs to be, was going to be successful, I can't afford to be this obsessed with my body and with food and with exercise. I got to figure this out. And so that began the sort of journey into what I now call Moderation 365, which is the nutrition philosophy that we actually certify professionals in. This idea of minimizing the amount of time and mental energy you spend thinking about food, thinking about exercise, thinking about your body. And so that you can open up your mental space for other things you want to do, whether that is business in my case or relationships or just to live and not be so obsessed with all of the things. So uh, yeah. yeah, over the last 12 years at Jill Fit, it's morphed into a lot more sort of business coaching where I work with health and fitness professionals who want to personal trainers, group fitness instructors who want to learn internet business, social media, stuff like that, create online products and services. And that's sort of where my head's at. But you know, this is such a cool space because you do sort of just go where the momentum is, right? Like what's working on yeah. one blog now, it's not really a thing anymore, but you kind of go where the momentum is and podcasting has definitely been fun these last five years. Uh, and I'm excited to see what's next. Yeah. Awesome. So one thing I've always been curious about is so moderation 365 came out of feeling obsessed with food and body control, but I don't know that I've heard you talk a whole lot about feeling obsessed with like how you look. And I assume mm -hmm. it's sort of linked, but it's not something I see nearly as much in the material you put out. So I'm curious how mm -hmm. that journey has been or what that's looked like. Yeah. I'll be super honest. Looking back at it, it's embarrassing. I think that's maybe why on like a subconscious <laughs> level, I don't even talk about it anymore. Cause I'm like, who the fuck was that person? Like, and I, I want to validate, like, you know, I'm not, I don't stay. Um, what's the word? I'm not like blaming myself. Right? I was 23, 24 years old. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. And what I think is really upsetting to look back at is, and I'm sure you've had this experience. You work with people like this where before you even know what you're dieting, like, and you don't know why you're dieting. You don't know yeah. why you feel like you need to look a certain way. You never ask yourself, like, why does this matter? Where did I get this idea that I have to look a certain way or be a certain way? And for me, the drive to have, and it originally started from, I, I was someone who never really paid attention to their food. To me, it was like, I love exercising. I love the endorphins. I loved like long cardio workouts because I love the way it made me feel. I was an athlete growing yeah. up. It wasn't until I did my first competition and I lost 20 pounds for the show, got up on stage and it was the affirmation and it was the attention and it was people, you know, giving me compliments and I had never had experienced that before. And so when I yeah. stepped off stage, I gained 15 pounds of it back in two weeks and I literally felt like no one. I was like, yeah. where are the compliments now? Like, why are, why is no one paying yeah. attention now? I guess I'm chopped liver. Like, and so I thought to myself, well, the only way to get that back 
is to do another Great show. Yeah. I got to lose the weight again. This was a physique competition in yes. which you were literally judged based on how you look. On your I body, mean, right? Which is like wild to think about. Like why yeah. would we, but I think for me, it was like, oh, let me see how far I can push myself. As an athlete, uh-huh. you know, I'm competitive. And what turned out to be something, what started out as being like, oh, let me see what I can do, turned into a complete obsession and just complete meltdown of self-worth as a result of that. Yeah. That is so interesting that you didn't actually feel the the like disordered weirdness until after. And like again, for people listening, if you don't know a lot of physique competitors, that that weight fluctuation is very normal part of the process. Like totally. the gaining and the losing and the the yo-yoing. Um, I've known a lot of people who that has really screwed with their head. Totally. I mean, not, so, not to mention that it affects your physiology, right? Like my, yeah, my metabolism doesn't respond nearly the same way every time I quote unquote dieted down. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it was actually more like psychologically damaging because it was, and you don't even ask yourself these questions. And I think that's, I'm so glad that you're doing a podcast like this. And because of your work, we're actually starting to ask questions like, why does that matter? Why has that yeah, mattered? Yeah. Why, where did that, where do we get the idea that we have to look or be a certain thing? And I think the fitness industry, there's pockets of the fitness industry where this, you know, gets exacerbated where it's like, yeah, you have yeah. to look a certain way. Or we, you know, we put these trainers up on these pedestals. And at the end of the day, I had to look myself in the face and be like, this is ego shit, Jill. This is like your <laughs> bullshit. You're not helping your clients by having a six pack. That's just a story you're right, telling yourself, right. right? At the end of the day, they do not give a shit. Like they're here because they get a result because they like working with yeah. you. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're either 10% body fat or 16% body fat or 22% body fat. That was my own shit. Yeah. And how old were you at that first competition? 24. Oh man. And I did my last show at 30. Yeah, I did my last show at 30. So for those six years, I was losing and gaining the same 20 to 30 pounds. I had like, you know, I had six, seven different sizes in my closet for like that whole decade. So one thing that I love a recent post of yours is uh, you wrote the antidote to body obsession is to fill your life with other shit you're passionate about. (laughs) I feel like at 24, it's just, it's a tall order to have found those things already. So you're (laughs) so susceptible. Like when you're really young, you're just so susceptible. So talk a little bit more about that. Like finding other shit you're passionate about. Yeah. And I certainly don't. If if a 24 year old today, because I'm 30, I'm 41. If a 24 year old was like, I know exactly what I'm passionate. I'd be like, do you though? You know, but at that (laughs) time, right. You think you do. Uh And I, all I knew was I loved fitness and I love the idea that, and you get a little, and you know this, you get a little taste of like, oh, if I work a little bit harder, yeah. I cut calories a little more, I can change how I look. And then mm-hmm. how you show up in the world. And for me, it was really about, you know, sort of the old storyline of perfectionism and, um, you know, sort of a type A personality. If I can control what my body looks like, I can control the perception of my, of my body, yes. right. Of, of how people see me. And that was really it for me. But you know, I think it really took starting Jill Fit to sort of wake me up to mm-hmm. my ego shit. It's not all about you, Jill. It's not all about, yeah. and I would, I drove, I was married at the time and I drove my husband crazy because I'd be like, what about my abs now? Do they look good? Like, what about my lats? Are you seeing my muscles mm-hmm. come in? Like just constantly like checking myself in every single mirror. And it's fine. Like, look, it's, it is what it is. And that's who I was back then. Mm-hmm. But when I got a taste of wow, you can actually help people with something that feels more fulfilling. You know, when people were reading the blog and they were starting to feel better about themselves and they were like improving their lives in some way, that fills you up in a completely different way than losing weight ever could. Yeah. So I feel very similarly about the timeline of my body image and my business. Like you can see a very distinct like change. Um, and, And I would say it's a very similar thing in terms of I had been taught, especially as like women, conventionally attractive, young women, whatever, uh, that that was where my value came from. That was like what I got the most praise for, you know, the most attention for. And then all of a sudden I was getting attention for my writing and my ideas and my work. And I was like, oh, oh, that feels so good. Like I had, (laughs) I just didn't honestly know it was an, an option. And I feel like that is that thing of like finding the other shit to not even obsess over. I want to say I have a healthy relationship with business, hopefully. But like, (laughs) well, that's the thing, right? Like, that's true. (laughs) Well, that's also the thing, right? If you don't do the inner work, you don't do your own like self worth Mm. work. 
it just follows you into the next fucking thing. You know what I mean? And and I do see this a lot. I work with a lot of moms and for a lot of them, they did have this like body obsession, you know, this constant dieting Mm -hmm. until they had their kids. And then they go, wow, I can't afford to be, or I don't want to be this example for my daughter whatever it is. Right. And so they transition into giving their meaning over to being a great mom. Mm -hmm. And then of course you just have to wonder like, okay, at some point the kids are going to be leaving the house. So like, how are you going to derive a sense of purpose outside of that. And I think we can just go and, 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 right. It's like business, it's money, it's success, it's relationships. You know, I I attach a lot of self-worth to my marriage and then that went Mm -hmm. sideways. Right. So I've had the same lesson (laughs) multiple times, (laughs) just different outfit, you know? So I think at the end of the day, you have to decide, wow, if I don't have this money, this success, this job, this, you know, impact or this person in my life, can I be okay? And that's, yeah. you know, it's a hard thing to want to, d- to dive into that journey. Sometimes. It is. I ask clients sometimes, uh, especially in the very beginning when I'm like kind of getting by in on, on the whole thing, I'll be like, so what's the whole plan here? You just take all of your worth from how you look and then what you just get old and, and then what? <laughs> and then what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's going to go away. Right. And then so is basically everything else you just named. Right. Everything is ephemeral. You don't get to keep any of it. So where does your worth come from? And right. can you connect it to anything that stays? Yep. And that's the thing is one of the things, and I don't know the answer to that. And I love this, this sort of discussion because I think it's in an ideal world, we should, we could literally be like homeless on the street. No, you know, like nobody essentially, and still feel a level of self-worth. Like ideally that's sort of where we're going to get the best answer I've come up with from a personal experience perspective is diversifying affirmation. Mm-hmm. Like to yep. me, you know, if I have a bad launch in the business, I'm like, okay, it's not my favorite, but I can yeah. move on. Right. Or if my relationship goes sideways, I'm not like, I'm upset. Right. I'm devastated, but I'm, yeah. I can move on. Right. Yeah. So like, it's one of those things where you see these wins and you appreciate them. And I think there's, there's something to accomplishment that we need to, uh, that we need to recognize, yeah. but not attaching to one specific thing. Like I remember this, this one time when I was really upset, I was like crying because my abs weren't coming in. I wasn't getting lean enough for a show mm-hmm. and I was crying. And my husband at the time just said, Jill, you have a master's degree. Like you're a great writer. Like, why are you so fixated on this? You have so much more to offer the world. And I couldn't see that at the time. Yeah. Right now, looking back, I'm like, of course, but at the time I was so wrapped up in my looks and my my body and needing it to look a certain way that yeah. I couldn't see anything outside of it. So I think there's utility in going, wow, you know, can I find meaning in not just one thing, but a lot of different things yeah. so that I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. Definitely. Also, I think there's such a huge difference when you're getting affirmation for shit that actually like gets to the core of you and really matters to you as opposed to stuff that you've been told should matter. And so you're doing it because, you know, it's like I became a doctor because I was supposed to, but it doesn't connect to anything here. Affirmation for that is not going to feel the same. Right. And, you know, that's the thing. The the question around being in your early 20s (laughs) or being a teen, gosh, like, you know, I do sort of feel bad for those who are sort of growing up with the internet. I didn't, you know, my, when I was in high school, we didn't have it. And, and I can't imagine what some of these young people are seeing, you know, they're seeing Kardashians they're seeing reality television shows they're seeing these people, these really just bodies that are not real bodies. Right. Yeah. And they're going, I need to look like that. I think about even just on a small scale, I was looking at shape magazine and fitness magazine and some of these yeah. magazines that always had these really thin women on the cover. And I kept like hating the fact that my legs didn't look like that, yeah. you know? So now just exponentiate that into all of social media. And I think it's just compounded. And so you have to have that awareness, but at 16, 18, 22, 24, mm-hmm. you're not, you don't have the, the awareness to look up and be like, yeah, why does this matter to me? You know, I think we're starting to shift the conversation. That's one of the things I do love about social media is it takes some of these conversations and it amplifies them to the point where we can actually access some of the tools that maybe you and I couldn't access 15 years ago that we wish someone was talking about. You know, now everywhere you look, it's, it's people talking about this kind of stuff. And I think that's great, but you can feel so alone sometimes in this journey because you're like, is it just me who feels, and then you just really take it on. And so I do really feel for these younger people who, you know, maybe don't know why they have these body ideals. They haven't asked themselves that question. They just feel a lot of pressure to have that. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of which, I think this is a really interesting topic. You have been in front of the camera for a very long time in a very present, like 
way. Your body is all over, you know, like the, the images that you take, you're, you're just in your business and your website and your content. So you've been doing photo shoots. I love like when you post about that stuff, I feel like that's a big part of, uh, of what I want to ask about here is like, what is that experience like for you coming from your background and also still hitting like, you know, so many checkpoints for conventional beauty ideals for women. Like, how do you, how do you experience that being in front of camera and being like sort of the representative of your brand constantly? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I'm going to be honest, like definitely aging has been a little bit of a mind fuck, but I think you just get to the point where you just go like, this is what it is, right? I'm never going to look like I'm 25. It's just not on the cards to me. And I certainly don't want to try to look 25 for me. I just want to, I, I have a very strong belief that I want to be congruent across the board. So for example, if someone meets me in person, I yeah. want not only like our the conversation to be just as if we were online on social, but I want them to see my body and be like, yeah, that's the body, right? That I see on mm -hmm. online. I think early in my career, I had a lot of anxiety around making sure that I was quote unquote in shape, or I would only post images if I was really lean or whatever. Yeah. And I had this moment and it was in, I think 2012, I had two things happened. I had a mentor, a business mentor at the time who um, wasn't like super shredded. They were like really successful, but they were someone who like, they were fit obviously, but they weren't like getting up on stage. Right. Yeah, but yeah. they had this confidence and this charisma and obviously the success that I just was like, wow, this is someone whose energy I want to emulate. It was like a really important mentor for me. And I was like, and this person, not 10% body fat. And so that one thing gave me, this is someone I really respected yeah. and whose success I wanted to emulate. I was like, wow, this person, you don't need to be. And it was like that permission that I think I needed. Yeah. And then the second thing was, I remember I, I got asked to do a talk in 2012 and it was a, I was going to be speaking on business, but to fitness models. And I had been out of the fitness modeling game for like mm -hmm. a few years at that point. And I dieted down to give this talk. It was like at a, it was like at, it wasn't even talking on fitness, but I was right, like, oh my right. God, everyone the, in the room is going to be these fitness models are all oh, show wow. shape. They're all doing photo yeah. shoots. And I was like, and then I had this moment where I was like, why am I? why am I fucking trying to lose weight to get up on a podium <laughs> in a dress and give a con like, this is the stupidest yeah. thing. And I said, I'm not doing it. I want people to meet me in person and, and it'd be the same as I look online. And I want that congruency across the board. And also I was like, I don't want to work that hard anymore. <laughs> like to be honest. Yeah. And so I think that those two <laughs> things in 2012 totally changed my relationship because I had met people in person that I was like, wow, they look so different mm -hmm. than they look on the internet. And I never wanted someone to say that about me. I would almost rather, so I don't know if you've ever done, have you ever like been on dating apps? Like, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was on dating apps for a few years in LA and I remember like, I wanted to post like some of my worst photos. Like that was my, yeah. my goal was like, I'm going to post like the, I've never posted professional photos, nothing like that. Let me post like some of the like worst ones so that if I, you know, go on a date with someone, they're like, oh, actually like she either looks like this or she even looks better than this, whatever. Mm -hmm. That was my like whole idea behind it was I just wanted to be, look at like normal. Yeah. But like you mentioned in a personal brand, you are, you have to do photo shoots. I do photo shoot every two months. And it's just, it is what it is. You know, you just go, well, this is, this is how I look today. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to put on the internet. And if someone doesn't want to work with me because I'm not lean enough, then they're not my person. Like, good luck to them, yeah. but that's not a reason for me. And yeah. so I like the congruency of that and um, the integrity of that. Me too. You know, it's so funny. I think one of our very first conversations I said, I don't know if it was like, you look exactly. I think I said something like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm surprised by how similar you were to what I would have expected. And mm -hmm. you said like, thank you. That's important to me or something. This was like probably 2012. Yeah. Probably around that time. That's so funny. And that was it, right? It was just deciding that that was going to be like, yeah. that was how I was going to do it. But I can tell you the aging stuff has been weird for sure. You know, and it's, I've been trying to like embrace it and just be like, this is what it is. And um, you know, just weird stuff. You're not really ready for just weird, like skin changes or, you know, chin hairs or just like, you know, hair thinning. And you just don't feel like you just look different. I remember at like mm. 35 was the year that I was like, Oh, like my face looks different. You know, up until that point, I hadn't really noticed. And, but at the end of the day, that's just part of the process, yeah. right? I'm never going to be attracting these like 21 year old clients, right? Like my clients are like me. 
And yeah. so they don't want to work with, and I think you can probably attest to this too. You know, I work with, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old moms. They don't want to work with a 21 year old business coach. You know, they want someone who looks like them, has experience like them, understands them, you know, so there's plenty of space in what we do online. There's plenty of space to find the right coach for you. So to me, it's really about what we call attraction marketing. People are going to be attracted yeah. to people like them. Yeah, I actually assign clients uh, who are on dating apps the the practice all the time of putting their like most unflattering <laughs> quote unquote photos up in part because it's a vetting system, sure. which means like you're only going to attract people who are actually really into you and you're not yep. tricking anybody. And also just like it's an investment in your sanity down the line. So you just don't have to freak out and be like, are they just wishing or hoping or, you know, you just, totally just so much more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, and then you just go through life and certain things happen or things, you know, my marriage went sideways, my ex-husband had an affair. And so then, you know, as a woman, you take that on and you make it mean I'm not sexy enough. I'm not mm -hmm. lean enough. I'm not pretty enough. You know, there's like so many and, and, and you could yeah. go as far as you want with that narrative, but you have to realize like, okay, it's none of that. You know, it took me a little bit, a little while to sort of do that. I was like, oh yeah. shit, like same issue, right? It's like just showing up in a different mm -hmm. way. And it really does show you that you have to, at the end of the day, get right with you. And yeah. I do believe that, you know, as you get older too, you just have more experiences of being, it being safe to be you. You know, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I just was, I was me and it was fine and people accepted me and I was still successful at that thing. And yeah. so you have more, you have a show of evidence now that it's more okay to just be you. And so that's what they say, like, oh, as you get older, you don't give a shit, but it's like, you give a shit, but you also have more evidence that like, you're okay as a person. You don't mm -hmm. have to change anything. You have to look a certain way. You don't have to do a certain thing. So that's been really fun too. Yeah. So in terms of aging stuff, I feel like I don't know quite the right language here, but I want to say glow up. And if that's not quite it, then <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But I do feel like you post a lot of stuff that feels almost like a glow up. It's very like, it's not just, you know, how you look, obviously. There's a lot of like mental and mindset glow up happening. And so you'll show like, this was me back when I used to like be a slave to cardio. And this is me now when I like do whatever the fuck I want. I go to the beach and, you know, whatever. So talk a little bit about that. Because it is kind of interesting to be like in your early 40s and kind of reclaiming like a fabulousness that probably, I mean, it, from what I'm reading, younger, you didn't even get to own. Yeah. I mean, I do think that you, again, you, val you value different things too than you did 15 years ago. You know, I've had the pleasure of being online, visibly online for 12 years, which in internet years, a long time. So you <laughs> kind of go like, I mean, you know, it's like a long time, right? There's yeah. a lot of different iterations. Totally. And I think it, it comes with a level of um, experience and also proficiency and success in your job. You know, yeah. so for me, you know, you get to a place where I've, I've just literally worked with thousands of people, you know, and then, yeah. and that, that show of evidence that like, you're actually okay at this thing, you've gotten people results before you don't feel the need to have to pretend. And I think when people mm -hmm. talk about imposter syndrome or they talk about this feeling of not good enough, there probably is a gap there. There's probably a gap between, you sure. know, your, your experience and experience gap, you know? So the thing is, if you're starting to feel imposter syndrome, there's probably not to get leaner. It's probably not to go get more certifications. It's probably not to like marry some, you know, marry someone. It's yeah. more like, okay, just get better at the thing you want to get better at. Just do it more, right? Just get mm -hmm. more reps at it. And so, yes, I think it's an energetic thing too, of just like having a lot of years, helping a lot of people and getting to the point where you're like, I'm actually good at this thing. Yeah. And that feeling of competency and that feeling of, you know, a level of proficiency or mastery just is like, it allows for you to just, I don't know, um, not have to posture as much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where it's totally. just like not pretend or not posture, have to do these little, what I think are more like, you know, sort of duct tape strategies, lose weight, like yeah, really yeah. just, or, or just be, or just, I don't know, at a higher level, like I'm a macro level person, like just do the big things that mm -hmm. are going to help build your confidence. Losing five pounds, not going to change your mindset. It's just not right. losing 10 pounds, right? Losing 50 pounds, not going to change your mindset. You're still going to show up the same way. In fact, when I think back to it, maybe you've had this experience when I was my leanest getting up on stage, 10% body fat, I was more insecure than ever. Yeah. You know, and common, you, actually. Yeah. you think like, oh, I'm going to feel more confident. Uh -huh. I'm going to feel sexy. I felt like a fucking zombie. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like no one touched me. <laughs> you just feel gross. You're yeah. mad all the time. You're just annoyed at everything. Right. You have, you're hangry. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's, you know, I think it, and then times where I was 
eating plenty of carbs and feeling good in my skin. I made libidos like through the roof, you know? So I think you just really have to know your own body. And then also I think getting good at something and feeling fulfilled in a different way just fills you up to the point where you don't have to do these duct tape strategies to feel better Mm -hmm. about yourself. Absolutely. So the flip side of that, then I guess my question is kind of like, where, where do you stand with all of that philosophical, juicy, wonderfulness, and then also hold on the other hand that like, you look how you do, you, you fit so many ideals that, you know, it would be easy to like throw stones and say, well, sure. You can say that. Cause you look like this. Totally. I mean, how do you hold that? I'm sure yeah. it comes up in your work. 100%. And like, yeah. that's the thing is that we have to always, like, I always have to caveat, right? Like I do have fit privilege. Uh-huh. I just do like I'm in a normal size body. I've been and people are like, oh, do you know, were you always into fitness? I'm like, yes, I've always loved fitness. I never had like I never really struggled with, you know, having to lose a bunch of weight or anything yeah. like that. Like I never really struggled with something like that. So there's a whole lot of privilege on this side. Um, and so I do want to validate that. I think for me, at the end of the day, it was never about a specific look. I will say that. I don't think there's a better, like, quote unquote, like a better quote look than another one. I just love being muscular. So that's my personal yeah. preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, I don't know how that lands for people. You know, I don't know what it's how it lands to see a yeah. woman with like big delts or big quads or like, you know, I don't know how that lands for people. But for me, that's I've certainly had you know a range of responses to that. Um, but for me, that is what makes me feel the most powerful. It makes me feel um, just the most fulfilled. And mm-hmm. it's things that sort of fill up my energetic cup. And then when it comes to the eating and stuff, two things. Number one, I got to the point where I just wanted my clothes to fit. That was really the big impetus for mm. me with moderation. It's literally called moderation 365, eating pretty much the same every year, every day of the year, not the same foods, obviously, yeah, but to yeah. the same level of satisfaction or whatever. And to me, it's really about maintenance. I just wanted to be able to walk into my closet and like just know that whatever size it was, that it was yeah. just fucking fit. Like to me, that mm-hmm. was a big and not because of anything, except I just didn't want to buy a whole bunch of clothes all the time. That was a yeah. big thing for me. And I just wanted to be able to know that that was, that I, I was certain that, that, that level, that part of my life was taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to the eating stuff, it really was about, I don't want to think about this all the time. I mean, I remember eating like seven times a day and, you know, these people who are macro counters and stuff, it's fine, but they're like, what's the big deal? It's just math. I'm like, yeah, it is simple math, but it's also thinking about constantly the numbers yeah. and you got to make the food, you got to prep it, you got to cook it, you got to eat it, you got to wash the dishes. You're thinking about mm-hmm. it constantly. And I know for me, that was just like a mental prison. And yeah. so if I ever wanted to give my time or mental energy to something else, I needed to figure that out. So at the end yeah. of the day, I don't have any physique goals, except that I just want to feel good. I want to feel powerful in my body. And I like having visible muscle. And if that happens to be in line with the the ideal. That's awesome. Uh, but I can tell you, it wasn't that popular when I was 24. I was actually about to say, I was like, it's so funny. Cause I said that totally from like a now perspective, I had forgotten that even when I first met you, that was this really unusual out of the box thing for a woman to want to be muscular. And yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing with girls gone strong and that's so true. God, that's changed so much in 10 yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, eight, 10 years, shit, 20 years. I mean, I remember when years, I did my yeah. first show, like, you know, I had all these like, you know, old, older adults, family members just say, well, you're, you know, you don't want your shoulders to get too big. And it was just like this very old narrative of like, you look like a man or like whatever mm-hmm. it is. And like, and honestly, relatively, I don't even look, I don't even have as much muscle as like most people who are like, you know, real fitness sure, yeah. influences are. But at the time it was sort of like, if you did a show, people thought you were on steroids. Like that was just across the board. They just immediately thought you were on steroids. And so there was a lot of stigma around it back then. Um, I've just always loved that. And I've always um, just loved the way that I feel and the way that I look. Mm -hmm. And I was able to sort of champion that and weave it into the business messaging. And not everyone loves it, by the way. Like it's an an acquired taste. Some people don't want to look like that. I have a lot of people are like, I don't want to weigh what you weigh. Right. And so, because I'm like very open about how much I weigh. And so they're like, I don't want to weigh. If I do your programs, am I going to weigh that much? And I'm like, this is a different conversation, right? It's a totally different conversation. That's hilarious. Um, So I feel like actually with that in mind, then I'm curious if you can put into words, because I'm always so interested in like the whys of, of what people prefer this muscular aesthetic. What's, what's the appeal? Do you know? I think for me, it just goes back to being an athlete. I think that's really the biggest thing. I can remember being like in my teens and have like, I don't know if you remember like the dream team from 1992 from like the basketball. So it was like, uh, American basketball, uh, Olympic team. 
men's Olympic basketball team. Okay. (laughs) Like I was so obsessed. I had posters of fucking Larry Bird and shit on my thing. So I, yes, I think there's probably something about it that, you know, I think is probably a little bit about, I like to identify as someone who values this thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that's the thing when you do have muscle, people know that you go to the gym, you know, something sure. to me, that's a value system thing about that. I would never judge someone who didn't like, I'm never like, uh-huh. Oh, they're lazy or they don't want it or whatever. Like, that's not about, it's just like, for me, that is part of my lifestyle. Yeah. It's been a part of my lifestyle forever. So I think growing up an athlete, you're used to seeing these people doing these amazing things with these bodies that are so functional and they're so fit and they're so athletic. And so, you know, to your point, it might just be another, you know, another version of, I need to have thin legs, right. It could Mm. be another version of that. I think for me, it's been more about the, the emotional power that I feel Uh like, I don't know, like, I mean, and this is maybe a very simple example, but walking down the street, you know, in a dark alley or something like I like that I have muzzle. Like to me, Mm -hmm. there's something about that that empowers me as a person who can maybe physically defend themselves if they need to, you know, like stuff like that to where I've just really, I like that feeling and it is, uh, it's a feeling and I've certainly, you know, my body's been softer. It's been harder. It's been leaner. It's been bigger. It's been smaller, but it's, um, I think for me, that really is a big piece of it. That's a great question though. Yeah. I felt the same way. I think that feeling of empowerment and also just like, I I always am amazed that we're not constantly talking about the fact that women are just like smaller and, and sort of basically constantly, um, sort of make good prey constantly everywhere. And don't. And like, <laughs> obviously there's so much more nuance to that conversation, but I, I just felt like once I got muscular enough that guys could see it, there was this thing of like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You know, like right. they wouldn't want to, if they were picking a prey out of a lineup, like maybe they wouldn't pick me anymore. And <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, I don't know if it's like messed up to say, but like, works. yeah, but like, I'm like, if it's between also- me and someone else, they're probably not going to pick me. <laughs> yeah. There was something to that, that I loved and I totally relate to. Um, but also something interesting, really personal for me is I identify as non-binary. So when I look back at why I loved being mm. muscular and lean, it also pushed me more towards androgyny, which like if I could wave a magic wand, I would look more androgynous than I do. I don't. I look like the most curvy hourglass, whatever, but <laughs> you know, like fine. Um, but that would be like one of the appeals for me. And you know, you're so, or at least you come off as so like femme, feminine, even sometimes glam, like that's like very much part of your aesthetic. And yet you've got that almost like counterpoint of being muscular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, it's really interesting. It's um, when you're someone who has muscle and you, and because, and you know this, like, I mean, let's go back to like your basic weight training, you know, uh, certifications when you're doing things, it helps your posture. Like I walk in a room and I look, I walk differently than someone who maybe doesn't have muscle. And it's not a better or worse thing. It's just like Mm -hmm. the way I move is just, I have a lot of muscle in my frame. So it's like a different posture. And sometimes that can be intimidating. Um, You know, I have like hard jawline. I have like high Mm -hmm. cheekbones. I have a more angular features, which is not, again, it's not good or bad. It just is what it is. But I, I oftentimes get, um, I get people feeling threatened or feeling like intimidated often, or they think I'm mean because of the way that I look. It's very interesting. And they've actually shown in research that people who have more of a mature look, like have a harder look, have harder lines, Uh have a more mature look, actually like people assume that they're, um, what's the word? Like people assume that they are um, more responsible, like, or something than like someone who has more of a cherubic face. Someone has more like a, like a round face or has more of like an angelic face they've shown in, you know, like juries will actually set a sentence. People have harder jaw lines to longer sentences because they think, oh, they should know better versus someone who looks younger. They go, oh, they're younger, right? They just, Uh they're more innocent looking. And so I've had to think about this as a personal brand. I am who I am. So there's no like changing it. But at the end of the day, I, if I know that people are intimidated or they feel some kind of way because of the way I look or the way I show up Mm -hmm. or the way I talk, I go out of my way to be a little bit warmer if I can. I yeah, use, yeah. you know, I use like terms of endearment more, or I just, you know, I try to be more patient, um, you know, stuff like that. Because I think it's it's easy to sort of assume that someone who has more of a harder look yeah. will be mean <laughs> to you. Totally. You know? Yeah. 
No, I did a, an episode once with um, a woman who's an actress and she's biracial and she comes off a very particular way that she does not identify with as a person. She's like this very soft, <laughs> gentle, feminine, lovely uh, person who comes off as like badass and gets sent out for like cop roles and all this. Stuff. <laughs> like I have a leather jacket in my closet that I only use for auditions. Like I would That's never so wear in real life. So I'm curious, like, do you feel like you align do, do you feel like this angular, powerful, mature version that people see, does it align with who you are? Well, that's what's hard, right? Is like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah. So if you think about it, is have, 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 does someone have to sort of assume their role of badass or yeah. leader or, you know, whatever, because people treat them that way, mm -hmm. right? Is it because, or is that just your natural way of being and then people respond because of the way that you look. And so I've asked myself those questions. I think I think it's obviously multifaceted, but I think growing up, I was an only child. I had a single mom. And so for me, I was just very much like a self-sufficient type of person. I was always fine yeah. being alone. I was always, you know, fine um, just taking care of myself. Like I was doing my own laundry when I was like seven. So it's, you know, those kind of things that you, you do kind of yeah. grow up and you have more maturity or younger. And then you start to like teachers always say that Jill's she's uh, conscientious was always the word that they used. And so I think it's, mm. then you sort of, again, it's, it's a feed forward cycle. Cause then people see you as that. And then you act more like that. And then yeah. more people see you that way. And then you act more like that. But I have gotten some sort of, I don't say negative feedback, but some feedback of like people can be really intimidated. So if you want to uh -huh. lower the barrier to entry or raise their status, uh -huh. their perceived status, then maybe you want to think about some of these more quote unquote feminine ways of being. But right. when we look at the, the masculine and feminine stuff is so interesting to me. And I don't like buy into it a ton because at the end of the day, just you need to like how you show up. Yeah. And I think I tend to show up in a, a more, I guess, masculine way, hmm. but it's worked until now. I mean, it's worked up until now for yeah, me, yeah. you yeah. know? So I, I sort of let the chips fall when it comes to that, but I still, you know, I still love going a little glam and things like that, but yeah. it's not to, not because I want to like, make sure I'm more accessible. It just is, it's part of who I am. Such an interesting conversation, how it people really express is. and create like identity too. So <laughs> have you heard of the Kibby test? Uh-uh. What's that? Okay. It's uh, a whole kind of dumb thing that I went down a rabbit hole on and I totally have to make an episode <laughs> about. So it's basically like this series of questions that kind of take into account bone structure and, and mm. proportions and stuff. And theoretically, it's used by stylists to like tell you what would be the most sort of flattering looks on you, et cetera, et cetera. And it takes into account your face. So like angularness or softness in the face and the body. Now, when I took it, I got really mad because it was like, you are the most like quintessential feminine. Like you're so, <laughs> you know, it was like, if there was like a personality or an energy, it would just be like, you, you're in swept like Greek gowns and you're just like, oh, <laughs> you're like the, you know, you, you have flowers in your hair. And I'm like, no, none of this, none of this but I feel like that's kind of like, you know, that signifies this disparity that I feel between how I'm received and and mm. people see me and how I feel to me. I'm like, mm -hmm. there's a huge chasm there. And I show up exactly how I am, but I am not necessarily received with what I feel. You know what I mean? Totally. And same with what my client or uh, with the uh, woman who I was interviewing with what she was saying. And it sounds like you're you're they're a lot closer, but also it whole sort of brings a whole other set of issues into it. For them to be close and then be like, well, which is me and what do I have to do to make people comfortable now? Right. And so I'm very aware of that for sure. You yeah. know, and I did have this conversation with myself and I've had, you know, I've definitely had people in my life who are close to me say that I come off cold or something like that. And I really sort of, mm. you know, I think if it's someone who's close to me and someone who I respect, I do take that in. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you really have to just get right with what's easy for me. Like, how do I, like, what's, what's, I hate to use fucking the word authentic, but like, what is the most authentic expression of me yeah. and not overthink it? You know, I think if you are someone who, you know, does personal development, like we're talking yeah, yeah. about and like has a level of self-awareness at the end of the day, and this is just where I got to, where I was just like, it is what it is. You mm -hmm. know, I'm going to, some people are going to be intimidated. Some people are going to not like the energy. Some of it's going to be too much for them. Some of it's going to be yeah. too raw. It's going to be too direct. It's going to be too matter of fact. It's going to be, you know, too like quote unquote tough love and not like, and to me, I never wanted to be a tough love, like uh, with a chip on my shoulder. I think that's yes. like, you can easily be like, oh, like this, like to me, it was never about being challenging so much as it was about just, this is how I'm showing up. And I kind of don't, 
know if I can even do it differently if I wanted to. Yeah. And at that point, you sort of just have to own it. And I think the best thing you can do for your audience, if we're talking about social media and brand building, the best thing you can do for your audience is just show up like that and just be unapologetically that so they know what they're getting into. Uh And that's a service. You know, I would rather I launch this business program twice a year. It's called Fitness Business Accelerator. And it's for beginners to business. So people just coming online, personal trainers, health coaches, people like that. And I always usually do a post or a podcast about the energy of the group and how we show up. Mm -hmm. And it's not Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, are you good enough or whatever? But I just want you to know like, hey, like I'm going to push you probably a little bit. I'm always going to ask you to take action. I'm probably going to not ask you about like your childhood trauma. Like we're not going to talk. And it's not that that's bad. It's just that's not me. Mm -hmm. And so there's an amazing coach out there for you if you just want to hang with the mindset conversation and like really dig into the childhood trauma and unlock your limiting beliefs. Or you can work with me and we just take fucking action. Yeah. And so I think it's a service to your audience to just say, hey, this is who I am. And if and if you need something else, totally fine, right? But yeah. go find that person. Don't try and fit a square peg into a round yeah, hole. Yeah. And I think at this point, uh, and I'll ask you this question, you've been around a long time as well. Every time I get someone coming in like a client, and it doesn't happen often, but sometimes I'm like, how did you find me? Like, it's just a weird, like disconnect. I'm like, they don't know the vibe here. Right. Yeah. But like, I would say 98% of my clients are just like me. And in yeah. terms of like the energy and things like that, but there's always like a couple that I'm like, what about me attracted you? Right. Cause yeah. it's not that they're bad or wrong. It's just different. And usually it's a referral actually, which is why I don't love mm-hmm. referrals because they don't know what the vibe is. They didn't find me organically, think, right? They yeah. didn't arrive here organically. So I don't know yeah. if I've had that experience where it's just like, it's not that it's bad. It's just like, this ain't a fit. Like this energy is not a fit for you. You should find Absolutely. a coach who, who can service you better, can meet you where you're at. It's so true. And I, I don't think that if it were too far outside of the vibe now, I don't think I would I would probably take them. But I know in the beginning, right. I remember having clients uh, where I would, there were times because I would do like phone calls back then. I would put myself on mute and just like wait for them to talk because I'm like, I'm fast talking. I'm like, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm way more willing to push and go and go. And I was like, I had some, some very soft spoken, very quiet, like long thinking clients. And I would like put myself <laughs> mute and be like, don't do it. Don't say anything. And those were people who I was like, I learned so much from working with them. But yeah, it felt like that. Like, what about, this made you think, you know, that that was the space you wanted to process in. And, and I'm so grateful for it now, you know, cause it totally casts like those same skills just got better and made me a better coach. But totally. yeah, that definitely happens. And also it's interesting. You said, don't overthink it. I was like, Jill, it is literally my business to overthink. These things. <laughs> I think it's so interesting how people learn to express themselves and what mm-hmm. it means to kind of step into authenticity, especially mm. when, you know, for us, we've got like, well, we have got online brands, so there's us and then there's that. And it's also similar and there's a lot to that. But when you're just a, a freaking person who's trying to figure out like how to stop obsessing over how you look mm-hmm. and you've never thought before about like who you are and what you really want to express, mm-hmm. you know, it, you can get into the nitty gritty. I mean, it's not for everyone. Sometimes I'm like, we need to let go of that and just go big picture. But getting into the nitty gritty of some of this is like, yeah, wait a second. What is my gender expression? <laughs> like who am I? Do I identify with how people have seen me my whole life or not? You know, do I feel like my appearance is being received as me or does it take people down a totally different path of expectation? Mm -hmm. There's so much interesting meat in there to get into. There absolutely is. And then I always just go to like, are we ever in charge of how we're perceived? You know, like at the end of the day, that's one of the hardest things. And you get your reps online, by the way, you know, that's what's obviously so, um, interesting and informative and vulnerable about what we do, you know, and, and I love your content because you've always been like very, what I consider to be very open, very vulnerable, very like truth telling in your content. And I feel like when you do that, you have this moment of like kind of holding your breath, right? You're kind of like, (gasps) like you have this moment of like, I hope this is received in the Mm -hmm. way that I want it to be received. And because I've had so many experiences of it not being received in the way that I want (laughs) to be experienced, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is a crapshoot. You know, like one person will see it through their lens of whatever they're going through. The other person will see it through their lens of whatever their nutrition philosophy is. Or this person will see it through the lens of their own insecurities, right? So at the end of the day, I don't know that we're ever... And this is hard because this is branding, right? It's like how you're perceived is your brand. 
Um, so I think at the end of the day, and this is like the 40 year old of me talking, I'm just like, <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you know, dress how you want, dress how, what makes you feel good, wear your hair the way it makes you feel. And I think that's the best service that we can do for anyone in our life, whether you are a personal brand or you're just a regular yeah. person who wants to communicate to those in their life who they are. So at the end of the day, I don't know. I think that's, it's, and it's, that's one of the hardest things to learn in life, right. Is, is to detach from how people are seeing you. Totally. You know, and you could take into consideration. Like I was like, oh yeah, people are scared of you. Okay. (laughs) I could take that into consideration. (laughs) Yeah. But also I don't know how to change who I am my core. Totally. And I mean, absolutely should not have to, but I also think there's, there's such richness in the world of thinking like, what am I signaling totally with, with what's in my control? Obviously not what's out of my control, but you know, like yep. uh, between hair and makeup and clothing choices sure. and things that are very much in our control. Like what am I signaling and to whom and for what reason? What the, the anti, the like anti-aging space has been very interesting to get into. Cause I was never, I've never mm. been a part of the, like, you know, that conversation online, but as I approached 40, I did put up some posts about getting older and about, you know, being 40 and, and things like that. And I was like, whoa, this is a massive space that I like just, I just started, like people were like, you should follow this person for aging and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, this is a huge Uh, rabbit hole that I don't know that I'm ready to be like a spokesperson for aging. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's me yet. You know what I'm saying? It's weird because, you know, people who follow you and then they resonate with that and they're like, well, I'm 42 and I'm, you know, and so then all of a sudden, but it it opens up a can of worms and it's great, but like, that's not my space, right? I'm not going to be like this. It's very interesting because then you ask yourself questions like, oh, if I... I don't know if I get Botox, am I buying into like, am I, you know, am I buying into this thing? Or if I, you know, I've noticed that my, like my eyebrows are starting to go. So now I get them tinted and I'm like, am I buying into beauty standards? (laughs) You know? And then at the end of the day, you're like, I'm just fucking getting my eyebrows back, you know? So sometimes it's hard because there is a lot of pressure to be like, am I doing the quote unquote right thing to further the Mm -hmm. conversation or am I just doing what I need to do, what I want to do for right. me, because it's what I really want to do, you know? Yeah. So that was really interesting. I had a couple posts that like sort of like got shared a lot. And there was definitely a good amount of hate being like, don't even use the word anti-aging. And I was like, whoa, like, oh, okay, wow. I need to do some research on, yeah, on the aging space yeah. before, I, so before I start talking too much. <laughs> So one thing too, that I, I feel like this comes up a lot with my clients, cause my whole thing is body neutrality, right? Which I think people, until you really get in and work with me, like, it's easy to imagine that that just means you have no thoughts or feelings about your body whatsoever. Or that like, I would say that natural is better. Cause I don't know, neutral and natural sound very similar. And this is a big <laughs> misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, and also probably because of how I look, because I don't generally wear makeup. I think that I probably look as a representation of natural and neutral and it all gets blended together. However, I am a big proponent of doing whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely. And also, especially with the clients that I work with, if you can do it from a place of like, to me, the neutrality is I can see that I would like to do X, Y, Z in order to fit in and feel more confident and doing X, Y, Z does not make me a better or more worthy person. Like that's all neutrality Mm -hmm. is, is the ability to hold all that and say, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And it does play into a thing that's kind of problematic. And I have complicated feelings about that, mm. but it does not change who I am as a person or whether or not I'm like worthy of love or of value mm. to society. Mm-hmm. And honestly, from there, do whatever. Yeah. I love That's, that you did that because yeah. we see, I mean, I, I've, I usually credit you for the using that word. I feel like that word gets thrown around quite a bit now, like body neutrality. And yeah. I remember like you were one of the first people I heard use that term mm-hmm. and really like, you know, help your clients with that. So I really appreciate that. And having the definition too, like that's, I like that you said that you can hold both at the same time. I think sometimes these conversations tend to be so black and white. And as a woman who's aging and you're like, am I doing the wrong thing? Especially when you have a platform, then you're like, am I really doing the wrong thing? Because now I'm perpetuating these and like, you know, and having a podcast and being on these, you just, that your content creation. And there's, again, at the end of the day, the best thing that I found anyway, is just like those posts that I was like, wow, I think I like opened up a can of worms with these (laughs) aging posts. I was, I was like, I'm here to listen, you know? So that was it for me was, wow, there's a lot I don't know about this. So let me listen to like what the narratives are. Let me look at, and then I can decide if I agree with them or not, or I want to continue with this or not. But like, so to me, anytime something like that happens, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that this is furthering 
you know, the systemic oppression of women or whatever it is. Like, sure, yeah. But I'm willing to hear it. Mm-hmm. And then I still will decide per, on a personal level yeah. what I want to do. So I think you nailed it, which is like having the awareness, right? That yeah. makes you, it like takes the pressure off. Okay. Yes. I have the awareness. And also I want to get Botox. Yeah. I also, I feel like a lot of really badass women work with me where they're like, you know, they're sort of in the space of activism and social justice. And they're like, is it okay if I keep wearing lip gloss? Like, I feel (laughs) like I might be anti-feminist and like, you know, uh, contributing to oppression because I want to get like my lashes done or whatever. And I, I just, I feel so strongly like, that 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 cannot be where this goes. Like I refuse to let this be one more way that we hate on ourselves and <laughs> just, you know, like make ourselves even smaller and feel more guilty and terrible. Mm. Um, but again, I think there's such a huge difference between I got my lashes done either because it makes me feel pretty and I like it. Or you can totally say, because I work in an environment where I'm not going to get a promotion unless I mm. look a certain way or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the difference inside you when you know it doesn't make you any more or less worthy or valuable or whatever, like that is, that's all I care about, right? Like make the choice, but I want you to make it from a clean place of it's really your choice. It's mm-hmm. not coercion. Yeah. And it it sounds like that's really such powerful work that you're doing because a lot of women or a lot of people just don't know what that is, right? I don't know yeah. what I really feel inside. I don't know what my... Because, you know, I, like I said before with dieting, I was dieting before I even knew why I was dieting, right? Same yeah, thing. Yeah. Same with makeup. I think I definitely wore makeup makeup before I ever stopped and thought, what was I doing or trying to- What was I doing, right? Yeah, Yeah. I'm wearing certain clothes or I get my lashes done or whatever. And then like, you you know, am I, and I think right now we're having, again, we're having way more conversations around Mm -hmm. this now. So I think there is awareness. And I think, you know, the cool thing about social media is like anything you ever want to learn about is like, there's a post about it. (laughs) There is like ways to open your (laughs) mind around it, but you have to have the insight that like, yeah, this doesn't feel good for me, Mm -hmm. right? And like, and the fact that your work is teaching people to recognize when they're not aligned, their decisions are not aligned with like what they really feel inside. Like a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. Ever have that distinction. The fact that we can impact that just by yeah naming stuff too is so incredible to say like, Oh, I was mad at my body. And now I'm mad at the system that tells me like, (laughs) that I have to look a certain way, but I'm still going to do the behavior, even if, you know, like that doesn't matter. That's not the point. Love that. So good. Okay. Uh, anything else that you want to share today? It's been so lovely to have you on here and I could talk to you forever, but I'm going to wrap this up. So anything else on your mind or anything else you want to say? No, this was so fun only because I don't really get to have these conversations like that much. So to me, this is such a gift to be able to, and like, and learn from your genius and what you do in your work. And I'm just like, yeah, there's so much more to this, um, you know, that we can get into. And so for me, it's just been, it's been fun having this conversation and, you know, and also realizing how much you know, how much there still is to learn. And, uh, yeah. And I think for me, it's always come from like the body space, uh, and like needing to, in the fitness space. And obviously you did that for a long time too. Yeah. So I think we connect on that, but it's, it's interesting seeing sort of like, and I'm glad I really appreciate you asking me about like being visible online for such a long time, because that, you know, that's, it definitely is a thing for sure, but it is also yeah. something where I realize it's part of, in terms of personal branding, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't, want to be that person who's still using their headshot from 2010. I want to, like, you know, (laughs) I want people to see who I am and like, be like, okay, yeah, she's, she's noticeably older, but you know, still badass, still good at what she does or whatever that looks like. And so I don't know, to me, that's the alternative is, is not owning fully who you are at 41 versus 29 or what, 24 or whatever. So Absolutely. I also always make space for like, and I could change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) If if at 42, you're like, this is the last set of photos I'm getting. That's it. (laughs) Yep. Next time you see me, I'm going to have plastic surgery. So (laughs) never say never. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Well, thank you so so much for talking about this. Can you tell uh, anybody who's listening who wants to find you where they can go to find you? Sure. Yeah. It's just Jill Fit on all of the socials and then jillfit.com. And then uh, if you guys like conversations like this, probably the Best Life podcast, which is my podcast with uh, my co-host, Danny J. We talk a lot about everything from like food, exercise, you know, some body stuff uh, thrown in, especially relationships, communication, all those fun and juicy personal development topics. So that's it. Amazing. Thank you. And we will have the links to those in the uh, show notes. So you can also find them there. And that is it. Uh, Thank you, Jill, for joining me here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll catch you next week. Bye.